To all our sidekick and hench folk out there in the Geek Nation, my name is. Wait, Noel. did you just say sidekick? One? Yeah, I just want to talk to one person. This is just okay, for you, cool. whoever you are. Uh, but all the hench folk, all the hench folk, one, one sidekick, <laughs> all of them. Anyway, my name is Noel, and I'm recording this week live from Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex here in Manion, PA. I think it's 4437, whatever. 4327. 4327 Main Street. Uh, and you'll notice right off the bat before we do all the instructions that there is one person technically missing. That is JD, the, uh, the captain of this, this very leaky vessel. Um, nothing that is our news to announce other than everyone is happy. Everyone's great when he's ready to tell everybody everything he will, but we're all incredibly stoked and happy. That's all with me today is Len. Yo, what's up? Hot Ledger boy. This is Len, AKA the bat Tribble. And Brian, uh, Brian, is there anything new that happened to you this week? Uh, anything new? Yeah, that happened to me this. Yeah, week? I'm I'm switching formats. I really just want to talk to you. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Len, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Len? <laughs> That's fine. Um, he's this guy. He's this guy. <laughs> um, I I ran JD's store for a little bit this week. It was fun. Yeah, if anybody. Um, uh, the store will have uh, um, abbreviated hours over the next uh, over the maternity leave and paternity leave, and uh, Brian and I will be helping out uh, here and there. How, how, was, how was one holding paternity leave? You like that? Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. make that up, but that's pretty but good. I didn't, I didn't know the store was going under any type of paternity leave. I mean, what, what's going on? I mean, if you're well, if I you know, feel free to share, I don't know. Not front facing for the next couple of weeks, so he can uh, help take out take care of uh, the new right. family situation. Oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. Right, right, oh, right, right. Cool. He's not there. Yeah, we're just keeping the store running <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, I mean, yeah. Letters. We got, we got letters. letters. We got oh, lots and lots and lots and lots of letters. He's not here to say. He's not here to poo poo it. That's pretty great. All right. So I've got one letter, and Brian, I believe you have one also. And um, (laughs) it goes like this as I read it in tiny font. Please feel free to edit as appropriate. I didn't. So. Did you feel free? Did you feel free? I felt free to, but I didn't feel the urge to. Um, I haven't said anything the last couple of weeks because A, two weeks ago I had a race, and B, I think listeners are tired of hearing from the same people. I know I am. It's hard to get stuff in time for a weekly commentary anyway. So anyhow, what do you think of superheroes drawn as specific celebrities? Mm. I ask because Marvel's Stormbreaker spotlight on R.B. Silva shows Mr. Fantastic clearly drawn as John Krasinski. Do you think that that means he's in the movie soon? Maybe, but way back when, Wanted was drawn as Eminem and Halle Berry and ended up being cast with James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie. Also, I've never been a fan of Reed Richards, so maybe Krasinski would be perfect casting, but to me, he's a fleck-level douchebag, punchable face. Okay, I I feel like we triggered him. Secondly, (laughs) 
Infinite Frontier, colon, is DC just deciding to scramble all the eggs and see what happens? All my DC books have Infinite Frontier pages that look like instead of a rebooting, they're just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. What shouldn't be thrown at the wall, guys? Black Adam as the centerpiece of the Justice League, referencing my prior comment, yeah, movie influence, The Rock, yada yada, but Black Adam leading the Justice League. And Black Adam doesn't look like The Rock nor previous versions of Black Adam. He looks like generic stud guy. So that's not good, but maybe overall we will get some stuff, some fun stuff out of it. As a serious comment, read it for more than 40 years. I am so over continuity, but some versions work and some don't. I hope you'll be able to give some commentary, even if edited. Thanks for making Sunday morning long runs something to look forward to. So I guess homosexual is a runner. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that either. Um, And he enjoys our show during runs. Um, But yeah, what do you guys think? Let's do the first one first. Um, Photo, like just overall photo referencing. Do you do you get thrown out sometimes or or thrown off when an artist clearly depicts an actor in in one of the uh, comics? I have an example. Oh, there's tons of examples. What example comes to your mind immediately? I wonder if it's the same one um, I think of. Salvador LaRocca just threw me off almost the entire Invincible Iron Man run when he made um, Tony Stark Sawyer from Lost. Oh, did he? Oh, my example is Sawyer from Lost, too, but it's a different guy. It's a different comic. It's just Sawyer from Lost, <laughs> the whole 40-issue run, and it was just it oh, was man. so um, – it just took me out. I love the movie. I love the book anyway, but it was just like, okay, I get it. it Did really it take you out because because he made it look like Sawyer? Then you kept hearing it as Sawyer, and thus it didn't sound true to character. Or is it just so much that the face just took you out? The face took me out. The, okay. the obvious face took me out, and I, I like it was it was um it was almost Greg Land level of like yeah that's. A mm. thing you traced. Oh wow, wow. Yeah. So it's like literally Sawyer from you know as he appeared in People yeah. magazine, and then as he appeared in Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, then- it was like the the scruffle, the same exact thing, the hair, same exact length. Think like you could almost. Yeah, it was it was really obvious. I mean, maybe I'm crazy and saw something that wasn't there. But what do you guys think? Uh, I saw there was a, a New Universal uh, redo in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. and. I believe Starbrand was Sawyer from Lost. Was the hmm. who was the artist? And, uh, I am wondering that now. <laughs> I wonder if it was R. B. Silva. Um, but uh, yeah, it at the time I was like, oh, it's you know, it's it's interesting that this is happening. It does kind of. I don't think it's quite as good as if it looked like a. a different person like that i that i didn't know or wasn't mm-hmm. a real person <laughs> was, uh, was it rb silva no it was salvador uh-huh. Roca, the same artist as invincible iron man same oh artist. there you go yeah and I, it was he, he really just liked, as you described he really liked sawyer yeah. from lost um that was immediately the one that that came to my mind and it was like same hair like not that actor it was sawyer mm-hmm. um and my understanding of it was like this is this is fine, but it's because they're not doing as much as they could do. Like they're they're taking a shortcut or whatever, mm. and that may not be the case. Mm-hmm. But that was just kind of the impression uh, that I have. Well, I think t- to me, I think especially as of late, the idea of using these real world actors, and more often than not, it's actors that they're using to portray the to use their faces in in, in these character spots. Uh, everybody's trying to vie for the Samuel Jackson 
you know, opportunity, mm. you know, from yeah. from back in the ultimate when um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Hitch made the Nick Fury of that universe look like Samuel Jackson. And then lo and behold, when the Marvel comics are created, Samuel Jackson is cast as, as Nick Fury. So much so that Marvel bent over backwards and then flipped inside its own ass to turn Nick Fury into <laughs> Samuel he Jackson had an, in he the had real an illegitimate son who had a best friend named Cheese, whose actual real name was Coulson. And they just, and then he lost an eye. I mean, and then, they, and then he shaved his head. Like it was a whole thing. It was a whole it thing. Was, it was organic. It was organic <laughs> and well done. It was planned out ever since it was. It was. It was first pl- plotted in uh, century number one, way back in the nineteen sixties. <laughs> yeah. So oh yeah, yeah. It was if you if you if you look at it, it's you know it's in the it's all it's in all the old character manuals. Yeah. And, History yeah. of the Marvel Universe. It's we got thing. Kirby. We got Kirby sketches. This has been the, yeah, forever. There's, <laughs> there's there's Nick Fury Jr. with crackle all over it. It's it's to 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 suggest otherwise is it's awful. Um, it doesn't t- you know it doesn't take it, 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 real quick. It doesn't take me out of the book most times. Um, hmm. the, most of the, the, the times when I've seen it, sometimes I've seen it. and It seems like kind of gimmicky, and I just keep it moving. And then sometimes it helps enhance the comic. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of when, um, oh man, and was it, um, was it Greg Land? I'm trying to think of who did the art on the Superman run where he made Superman more or less Christopher Reeves. Uh, that is oh, Gary, Gary Frank. Frank. Gary Frank. Gary Frank. Yeah. That's who it is. I always get them. Uh, when he does it, yeah. And Christopher Reeves just looks so much like Superman looks, anyway. It looks good, though. You're like, yeah. all right, yeah, that works. And it worked because yeah. I, yes, I did start hearing Christopher Reeves' Superman, <laughs> but that sounded like Superman to me, so I didn't yeah. mind. You know what I mean? So sometimes it can enhance. More often than not, let's, let's put it that way, it enhances the situation as opposed to uh, the... Uh, deflects from it. I will say though that when Alex Ross used to make Reed Richards look like the professor from uh, Gilligan's Island, uh-huh. I liked it. But then I also it did slightly take me out because the professor wasn't quite as smart as he he purported to be. So I don't he know. did not get off that island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, but he can make Reed anything out. Of, he can make anything out of coconuts, though. So he's it's, just it's very just, coconut. He's just as Maybe smart. It's just a different. It's like a different muscle. Point true. Or, point true. Point true. It's more of an engineer than a before, scientist. <laughs> um, I you um, know oh, oh, Robert Robert made a really good comment here. I have the opposite pe- pet peeve when comics inspired by specific shows, Smallville is the best example, lose their visual similarities and become generic. So I was going to say before he commented here, one of the examples that I have that I think is perfect is when you have an intellectual property or like a, you know, a comic book based on a TV show or a movie or something. If it's so hyper um, specific that these are the actors just in single frames that they draw over, it, mm. it's, it's, it almost feels um, yeah. detached or lazy. But when there's yeah. like that, artist interpretation of the characters that you are familiar with. So like my favorite example is um, George's Janty on uh, that season eight of Buffy. All the characters were clearly the character, like the actors, mm. but it was in his style. So mm. you, you, you didn't, you weren't confused or anything, but it definitely was its own kind of visual, visual storytelling as opposed to just copy pasted. Um, and that obviously the one too. 
like if you're doing an adaptation of a property that started out as a live thing, it, it makes sense. You know, that then you're judged on how well. Yeah, you can I, I think it was from that. Um, um, that first run of Star Wars when Marvel got it too. They had such a murderer's role of, of artists on it. It was like a, it, um, it was good. John Cassidy was the first arc and then Stuart Eminen took over and they were, they're all completely different mm. styles of artists, but they just kind of did their own riff on Star Wars and you, you knew who everyone was. They did, it didn't look like Mark Hamill tracing. It was, it was really, really good. Right, 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 right. Oh, but uh, Rob's comment brings to mind the Flash costume after the 90s Flash series. Oh, yeah. Right? When, yep. when it, like, very heavily influenced Wally West's um, 90s costume with the, like, darker, shinier mm-hmm. metal and the, uh, the white eyes and, and the belt. Well, the belt was a great addition, the pointy belt. But, yeah, I, oh, for so many years I was like, ah, I mean, I love, you know, I love that show because it's the Flash, but I changed the costume. But sometimes that works because, again, going back to the Ultimates, the Ultimates Captain America influenced Mm -hmm. his costume, influenced a huge change in the regular Captain America's costume. Wait, but that's the other direction, I think. I think the show happened with the Flash and it influenced the comic. That was more what it did, it like did happen in that principle. It happened a, in that direction with Guardians of the Galaxy. So like it was completely like, yeah, uh, almost militaristic uniform. Mm, but then mm-hmm. when Chris Pratt has the trench coat, all of a sudden, and just the just the face yeah. mask mm-hmm. comic just overnight became yeah yeah that's what he's got yeah, uh, like that's little true. star smuggler, cool kid. I mean, I think it happens. I think it happens all the time. Like Michael Keaton's Batman, I think, is when we got the. Very limited, uh, all black Batman. Oh God, I hated that costume. Comics. I hated that. It was good in movies. So it wasn't. It didn't work in comics just because you needed you needed uh, more options when working in shadow, not just black costume oh, and black. Yeah, real quick, yeah. not just a silhouette yeah. all the time. <laughs> real quick, just because on the on, it's not going to play on the podcast. You referenced that question, uh, uh, Noel, to Robert. It was actually Robert Jean Pilecchio who gave us that oh, yes. um, that question. I just want to. Oh, that is Pilecchio. Oh, no. Pilecchio, excuse me. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, it's. Uh, I made that mistake for, uh, it, for I, some time myself. I just wanted to point that, that out one. because I know we got multiple Roberts in the chat. I I, I think oh, all Roberts are legion. Together. So, like when one Robert speaks, he speaks <laughs> for all Roberts. Oh yeah, mm. it is with all of you know minds, what, you, which is one mind. You know what? Only because <laughs> I have had the pleasure of witnessing the uniqueness that is Robert Monroe Jr. on all of my other uh, streams. Oh, I'm so, not going to go there. Robert Monroe Jr. is a Robert is, of he's one. He's Robert Prime, <laughs> and Robert the rest are have a, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we go. We do have there another letter. I don't oh, know wow. if Brian wants to read that letter for us. Yeah, here we go. Here we oh, go. Wait. We I didn't get to the it. second question. All right. Tw- 20 seconds, oh, yeah. 20 seconds each on, on Infinite Christ or uh, Infinite Frontier. I think he's right. Scrambling all the eggs, see what works, and then try and figure it out. Like, within two years, they're going to reestablish a continuity. I'm calling it now. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think this is the same kind of thing. I was just thinking about it. Like, the original crisis, as far as continuity goes, it got streamlined over time, but they didn't know what was going to be the case for a little while. And it, that was just out of story. This one's just a little more in story. And um, these things, you know, these things happen. And I think he's right about Black Adam. It's because of the movie. But uh, we'll see. What, we'll see what happens. Based on the conversation that I had uh, this weekend with a, a group of friends, um, DC is edging very close to the point 
where there will be a legion of people joining me and saying, I don't give a fuck about whatever the hell are they doing because yeah. they just keep changing shit. They, they, they literally announce big initiatives and then in issue one of the big initiative, they announce the next big fucking initiative. Yeah. Fuck them. Well, I don't, I, th- I see this, like, that's been something that DC has done for a while, and a lot of people attributed it to Dan DiDio, and I don't know if that was true or not, but it seemed like for a while there was, like, DC's gonna be this now, and then very quickly after, it was like, DC's gonna be this now, and um, then that culminated with the New 52, and then I've seen the ones that have come after the New 52 as kind of like, let's go back a little bit to what, <laughs> to what we were and try to get back to that. And I'm hoping that after this, they've now like officially um, re-allowed with, with, their old continuities, and he is not there. And my, however my two much he has is to when do you're it, doing sequential storytelling, which which comic books are, especially big two comics or superhero comics, they're serialized stories. They have a thread line from one issue to one issue, and it's a perpetual second act. When you're doing that, you need some sort of, right. or at least doing that successfully, you need some sort of universal grounding, like. <laughs> one thread line that mm-hmm. is the real one and then everything flies around it. So the idea of all of it is just as weighted as everything else means that none of it is more weighted than anything else. And it, like for me, it lacks that grounding. So I'm only reading things that I'm interested in the creative team as opposed to, I don't want to miss what happens in the greater arc. Like that's almost gone completely for me when it comes to, mm. to, to DC. Whereas with Marvel, we're going to talk about one of them today. Like I'm not interested, like I'm not interested in every single corner of the King and black trash. I I just, I just like the venom book, but I will, if I think that like something might kind of click or matter for the larger story that I'm enjoying, I'll dip in Mm -hmm. because I know that it's like that level grounding that is. So if there's a tie in over in DC, I'm not like everything is, is everything. Like there's no there's no primary Well that'll as of right now. I mean that's just King and Black is just an event and whatever the next DC I, event there is, is there is a there is a grounded thread line in, throughout the know. entire line that this large event is happening and here's some aspects of it. With DC right now, it's infinite right. frontier. Right, and the sure. important thing about that is everything's important. Like that's Well, mm. I don't think that it it's not gonna be like that. Like that is that mm. is in the story. This is my opinion. That is in the story, but in actual practice, it's a continuity will gel as they're telling these stories. I think this was just a way for them to say, like, we can use stories that we want to use. It's not like every Golden Age adventure will be considered to have happened, even though, yes, that is what it said in Death Metal, but I don't like. It's not going to stay like that. Yeah, like, but that's do, not, do you need an event to do I don't that? Think so. so, like. Hmm. All you need to do is just have, all you need, all you really need is just one conference room and bring everybody into the conference room. It's called a Zoom meeting and tell them, look, guys, everything counts now. Go write your stories and let's get it moving. No, I think, I think I kind of like what Star Wars did. So there's like, there was millions of pages of Star Wars material that was like considered canon or half canon or part of canon and, and just, and then as soon as they wanted to start over, they were just like, hey, all that counts are these six things. We will pull from whatever we want to over time. But that's those are just your fun else worlds. Now this is what matters. And everybody freaked out and got upset and stuff. But now, 10 yeah. years in, they're pulling 
things that are popular and reprinting older stuff and it's it's less like harsh or people don't really care as much they didn't they didn't create like a big we're gonna have a crisis on star wars universes and we're going to do this and we're gonna do this and we're gonna touch this well right but there's a difference between like whether they to, felt like doing that or not. Like, do you want to do it in me, story they, or not? To me, they didn't do it in story. Choices, you know? And in hindsight, maybe that might right. end up being more successful than doing it in story, which, I mean, just okay. on its on its face is a convoluted act or, or a, a convoluted gesture. But how does it, like, now that that story is done, how does it matter how it I mean, time out? spent. You know what I mean? Like, it's like pretty much it. Crisis on Infinite it's Earths only time happens. spent. Yeah. It, well, that's sure. the, whether you liked right, it or not, right. it's just it's time spent. If you didn't like it, time spent feels right. wasted. If you did like it, time spent feels fun. But right. but it right. this is enough Thanks. time spent on this topic. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, what I was the third one? Was there a third question? I thought he had a third question. All right. Well, then I have a, an email. Please. I don't know if it has questions. Um, this is from Christopher Goodnight, um, and he is sent it to me and in, in, uh, in hopes that it would get on the air just in case the usual channels were not being monitored. Oh, so here we go. Christ. No, he didn't say that. Those are my uh, Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Uh, which would be, yeah. Uh, so anyway, he says, between WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, are we in a better world of comic properties adaptation? I know Falcon Winter Soldier isn't out yet, but it looks fantastic, and WandaVision has been nothing short of amazing. Like most adaptations, it's got me wanting to reread the source material, parenthetically, disassembled in House of M. Close parentheses. What would you recommend to people looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier? I think we're getting to the point where shows are better than movies. I agree. Uh, I said I agree. He does not, in the middle of his email, state that he agrees with himself. <laughs> the DC shows have been on and off. The ad their adaptation of Crisis on Earth X was better than any of the more recent DC movies, but they took a huge step back with Elseworlds and Crisis on Infinite Earths slash the Arrow season finale, killed almost any interest I had in the Flaro universe. I'm looking forward to the Superman and Lois show, Shout Out Our Son. Apparently the female villain shows up in the trailer as part of the Flag Smashers. Uh, this, I assume, is about Falcon Winter Soldier. But is anyone else expecting her to be Sim? What's a story or character from the movies you wish you hadn't wasted on a pre they hadn't wasted on a previous movies? For me, it's AIM. I love those beekeeper suits, and I was disappointed with AIM's lackluster performance in Iron Man 3. Chris, St. Saucy, goodnight. So, I'll tell you, the, what do we got? The, I agree, the uh, TV has been a lot better than movies, and I think for some years now, actually. I think it's about um, length of story. Right. Movies were the premiere because they were the longer form story. And, um, you know, then when TV started doing season long stories, that became uh, the more room for storytelling. And it didn't it didn't like change right away. But I think that that is what led to TV being more kind of a premiere experience. Um, and now it's like we're in it. Like Samuel L. Jackson is on a streaming thing. They're doing movie characters interchangeably with TV characters, you know? Um, and I am far more excited about pretty much any TV show that I'm excited about is I'm like looking forward to more than, a, than I think, most I think it was a progression too. In. Like there was for this to have happened, like mm -hmm. the, the current state that we're in now where TV, uh, tele 
film characters and television characters are intermingling between um, mediums. It had they had to there had to be a level of cinematic television for a good decade before that started feeling comfortable. Sure. Because when I was growing up, you were a TV actor or you were a, a, a film actor, and you don't cross between the two, or it would sully your brand. But then, right? Or like yeah. if you went from movie yeah. to TV, you could go you TV could, to movie. You can upgrade, then you, but you can't time. downgrade. Yeah. So there had yeah. to be like a good ten right. years of cinematic television with large budgets. So stuff like stuff that felt like movies like Breaking Bad and and Game of Thrones, like that had to happen in order for a large studio like Disney to be like, oh, we have just as many eyeballs over here as over here. So we should invest just as much money over here as over here. And then because we own all, you know what? Um, somebody made the, the, the comparison for, for like the Marvel actors, everybody, a part of the MCU. They made the comparison of this is as close to how it was in the 1920s where you had studio players. So you had actors that were just signed on to studios yeah. and they would use you for yeah. whatever. So it would be just like this whole cross pollinated kind of thing. So like a, a person would become a part of the brand that happening with Marvel, I think is really, really interesting across like all of the channels, like internet and, and television. And I think that's super awesome. Oh, even like audio stuff. Like they're having their actors, mm-hmm. like video games, like this, this all super exciting, really cool stuff. And I, I think, we needed there needed to be like a proof of concept that television can feel as large for this to even be possible. Mm. And even like Agents of Shield wanted to do that and could, you know. It tr- I mean, it was okay, I, but it was definitely I think it was like a doubt. Agents of Shield was a victim of circumstance, yeah. though. So like, they had the eyeballs and they had like the buy-in that they could do film on television. Yet you had like the executives at ABC that were like, yeah, yeah, cool. This is a one hour procedural and we do want 24 episodes. So it's just like it, the model stretched out like the want. Whereas with the Disney plus shows, it's like, no, no, it's, it's a four episode story. That's it. And then, yeah. Right. You can do whatever you want, but also the level of crossover. Well, uh, the only thing I was going to say is that the Disney model does does work, but the proof of concept of that was born to be a failure. You're right, Noel, as far as on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and to a, a degree on the CW shows as well, because even when they became more serialized, these were serialized stories that had to be stretched out over 22, yeah. 24 episodes, which then gave you like a whole lot of like a lot of filler in between. Um, and then that proof of concept was proven out even more, but proven to be where, okay, success lies in 10 to 13 episode arcs, uh, i.e. the Netflix shows, which while mm. some of them felt a little longer, and then as the seasons progressed, they realized, okay, this doesn't need to be 13 shows. This maybe needs to be, 10 or maybe this needs to be eight and now disney is at the point well really if you just tighten up your budget and tighten up your story you could do four or six or whatever you know but that proof of concept has been has played out over the years as the medium has learned which is the best way place to place mm-hmm. these properties i think to answer one of his questions as far as the world of comic book adaptations i think they're in a better place now primarily because Outside of the big two, which for good or bad, and I think there's there's um, arguments on both sides of the coin, uh, the big two are owned by two 
media corporations, Disney and Warner Brothers. So yes, they have an outlet for their IP. But the world of comic book adaptations is better because all of the other outlets have, you know, the need for this content. And as opposed to trying to create their own content, which is where in the past you would get watered down stuff that was kind of like, you know, middling, like Manimal and all that other type of uh, uh, junk. You now have them reaching out to the, you know, independent comic book creators or some of the, the, you know, third rung of the big names, Image and Dark Horse and finding properties there or creators there upon which yeah. to base their properties, i.e., Mike Miller in with Netflix, i.e., oh, you know, um, Resident uh, Alien, Boom, uh, has, like first book. look deals at Netflix, Amazon with The Boys mm-hmm. and um, Invincible. Yeah, that's what comes to boys. Yeah, and yeah. Invincible, right, 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 and 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 also and also like we can't you know uh, leave out. The Walking Dead. What The Walking Dead is was a comic yeah. book adaptation, and the explosion yeah. of that, yeah. and what that got for Robert Kirkman to get uh, all his his stuff out there as well. A lot of this, I think, has to do obviously with like technological capability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and it, being able to do something that looks enough like what you can draw, like so you sure. draw whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that obviously has had a lot to do with like how well. Uh, comic adaptations have been accepted but there also has been a change in just doing uh what is in the comic right like obviously things have to change in different media but i remember a time when it was like it seemed as though film and tv directors felt like they had to change things from the comic because it's like hey this would be a pretty cool story if i change it if i put my spin on it or whatever Um, yeah and that has gone away it's just been like but but you know but you know primarily what that was was that i think that that the world at large didn't believe that the world at large would believe you know some of the things that happened in comic books you know they thought it maybe stretch stretch believability and now they're realizing no like you could have never gotten away in the days as big as Superman and Batman were in the 80s. You could have never gotten away with, you know, either of those movie universes entering in a multiverse. You just couldn't have done it because the heads would have blown up. You know what I mean? But now you can do that and you can do it with absolutely no... They got multiverses in cartoons. And the the kids know about multiverses. You know what I mean? Although that was... You know, that uh, that reminds me of just the idea that uh, we learn things at a, at a younger age, That's right? True. Like this, like, condensation of information that, like, think about tying your shoes, right? Like, that was somebody's life's work, maybe, mm-hmm. one day. Like, figuring out how to tie knots, right? <laughs> like, took a long time to get that knot, right? The, and now it's like a rite of passage at a very young age That's is true. figure out how to tie your shoes. And, like... The idea of the multiverse came in and then it, it filters down and we and we kind of like pick up on it at um, younger, more impressionable ages. It becomes part of our worldview. And uh, I think that that is a very hopeful and interesting thing about the human experience. Yeah, I, 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 I have nothing to add. You're right. Like every generation, it gets uh, these seemingly large or childish or silly um, notions of four color heroes or or 
you know, the convoluted idea of a multiverse. So you could do all kinds of things in publishing, becoming like popular nomenclature with other mediums. It's just every generation kind of gets used to the one before and the understanding of it. So like now it's, yeah, like, ooh, a multiverse. Yeah, whatever. Tell me something else. I saw that on TV when I was eight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. let's. I, I get mean, that. We're here for comics. You guys want to talk about comics? I think we should be. You want to review these comics? These comics? Yes, let's, please. Please, I read these comics. I want to <laughs> talk right. about them. We're going to start today right, so. with Future State Dark Detective number three, written by Mariko Tamaki and Matt Rosenberg, with art by Dan Mora and Carmine DiGiaminico. In this issue, Bruce Wayne meets the next Batman. As the Dark Detective makes his move to put an end to the villainous magistrate once and for all, the man who once wore the cowl encounters the next Batman. And these two have some questions for each other. Fists will fly as this explosive meeting erupts in the skies of Gotham. But with the clock, tick with the clock ticking, can Bruce finish what he started and unlock the secrets of the fascist surveillance that plagues this city? And... In Grifter's part two, the lucky streak that Cole Cash and Luke Fox have enjoyed just hit a brick wall in the form of the Huntress. The over-the-top adventures of this in the gutters of Gotham City conclude in the most bone-crushing fashion possible. Um, this was fine. I mean, I I, I like the writers. I like the art. Um, uh, I think it. I'm more confused. I'm even more confused about the timeline of events having the two Batmans meet each other and they meet each other in such a way that's just yeah. like, I see you and then it's over. Um, it's fine. And and then the grifter story, I was, I was into it until like the last third of it. There's a character turn. That's just like, what? I like that, that Luke Fox would do that. Just kind of, it was icky. It was weird. I didn't like it. Um, but overall, it was still a fun book. This was just a solid book. It didn't blow me away like other issues. Uh, the Batman stuff still continues to be the second best or second favorite in Future State for me. What do you guys think? I I liked the Batman. Okay, the Grifter story. I didn't read it, so I, I saw that it was there, and I was like, "Oh, it's a Grifter." Uh, I, I I'll wait, and I never just it's never a got Grifter. <laughs> literally what i said i I, I just didn't get back to it um the batman story is it's very cool it's a cool story it's well told the art is amazing the this is the world that i i envision that they want this whole magistrate of gotham city to look like and feel like so it it works for me but noel is right be having this Batman, who we have been led to believe is Batman, is like you know this is this is this is Bruce. Right. Meet the of the next Batman. Totally changed. Like I don't know what's happening yeah. time wise now. Unless it's not and especially with the Nightwing thing, right? Like in that Nightwing out issue, he met Nightwing for the for the first time ever, right. which seemed like Again, it was a I lot later this up, like, than this. Ago. You know, Bruce being alive and every one of his like family not knowing it just blows me away. It blows my mind. Maybe only Dick knowing, maybe only Except Tim knowing. Ca- but No, I think doesn't Selena know because I, didn't read, I remember I didn't read the in, in the Catwoman. Catwoman. Yeah. The Catwoman one, she's trying to jump onto a train that actually has him in it. And I think it's alluded to that she knows he's on that train. 
I think that's what I, I, I don't remember because hmm. as, as, as kind of cool as it was, I maybe. ultimately didn't care. So I didn't go <laughs> read Maybe re-read this it. isn't Bruce. Did anybody think that? Yeah. And that's what I said. And I was that saying, like, maybe this isn't yeah. Bruce. We're led to believe that this is Bruce, but maybe ultimately yeah. this isn't Bruce. But, but because that has changed the, the, the time, the timetable so, so much that I was yeah. like, I don't know where we are. Now, to be honest, I've told y'all before, I've said it here on the show. I'm trying not to care about where we are and just read the books as for what they are. And, on its surface, this is just a cool comic book story. But for me to be to care a, at least a little bit more, I want to kind of make sense <laughs> of it. But I don't want to make sense because I don't want to care. But this book is kind of cool, so I just want to follow this book. But then the John Ridley book is not bad either. It's so it's <laughs> it's it just is it's frustrating. Ultimately, I I came away from this being very frustrated. The the character tie-in was the hardest part for me. Like, yeah, seeing them there, that that felt it felt like the 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 John Ridley one should be much farther in the future, like way well, after. I mean, like there hasn't I been mean, a Batman for a while, but he's also five Lucius, years would have been you know, fine. He's like his age would yeah, make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, that would like, be fine. It, yeah, he, I guess that would this be fine. New Batman right. is already established, but right. as in in terms right. of the Dark Detective book. Bruce Wayne just died and is now like just in hiding and maybe only has been in hiding for right. six to eight months, maybe. Yeah. Not, like not long, right? Like he's still got, he's still wearing a Batman costume. <laughs> like he's yeah, still I running mean, around Gotham city in yeah. a Batman costume. Um, but I agree with you, Len. Like this book is cool. It's a cool book. It looks cool. Like the designs, the future designs and, and that Batman costume are cool. I, at the end, I was like, wait, aren't – if these things are everywhere and they see everything, how come they haven't seen him where he is? And mm. then <laughs> they see him where he is uh, right away. Um, so I'm interested in it, and, uh, you know, I want to see where it's going. And Well, um, we only know, have one issue uh, left, we'll see. We'll see and may, hopefully there's a yeah. satisfying resolution. Um what mm, mm, I, I actually did you know what I, there's something I, I did mention that i do really like i like how dan mora depicted the two batmen together and how um jace oh yeah tim fox is taller he's taller and bigger and i thought mm-hmm. that that was really cool like mm-hmm. oh yeah I, it, uh, I i liked bruce or whoever he is in yeah. impression of him too right like uh this is kind of weird yeah it, there wasn't a um and it, it uh, surprisingly or, or refreshingly, there wasn't a you imposter. It was a yeah, right. yeah. I, you're talking to me like I don't know. I do know. Okay, I'll let you have it. Like it was just, it was really, it was, it was almost cute. But uh, did did you read the second story, Brian? This was the this was the I good backup, guys. This was the one that we that we liked last time. Grifter, yeah, I enjoyed I mean, part one. Yeah. Yeah, I did remember that. That's why I said I was going to come back to it. I just didn't. Well, I didn't read the backup. Uh, for I didn't Justice read that because I didn't either. want to. I just didn't want to. <laughs> I go. scanned it and I was like, no. But this one, like, there was a. It was really, really good up until the point where the plot needed Luke Fox to turn on Grifter, and mm. it felt. It felt like. Um, it felt truncated. Like I'm not saying that the character would never do such a thing because mm. this is a new world. 
but it just it was so edged in like this should have been an actual three issue or four issue thing like it was um the you saw mm-hmm. the seams at the very end and it was like oh that sucks but still one of the stronger backups um let's just let's jump right into unless anybody has any extra thoughts let's jump right into future state justice league number two i'll read the whole solicit but we now know that most of us didn't read the whole book anyway Future State Justice League number two, uh, written by Joshua Williamson and Ram V, uh, with art by Robson Roca and Mario Takara. Mar- oh, sorry, Marcio Takara. Exiled to a distant planet, the Justice League suspects an imposter in their midst, but not even the next Batman or Green Lantern can find the clues they're looking for. Meanwhile on Earth, the terrifying return of a classic Justice League villain may spell doom for the planet. Doppelgangers abound, paranoia runs rampant, and only the Justice League can save humanity if they can ever find their way home. Plus, all the world's terrible truths are revealed as the Justice League Dark make their last stand. Hunted, beaten, and harvested for their magic, Zatanna, John Constantine, Detective Chimp, Ragman, Madame Xanadu, and Etrigan all unleash a desperate plan that could destroy them. But is it worth the cost to finish the Mad Merlin and his mysterious knights? Only Dr. Fate knows, and the truth may spell hope or doom. Um, I did not care too much for the first issue of Justice League 2. There was some sort of, like, I, I just thought it was fine. I liked the characters version, like the versions of the characters, but the story was just like, mad to me it read it read like a late 90s comic which is a an aesthetic i don't really right. glom to with that said mm-hmm. i actually kind of dug this issue i really liked the fun wrap-up i thought the action was really mm-hmm. slick i liked where it ended the characters even the, even if there's even if we're not going to see these characters again or at least for a long time i liked how it kind of came around and i really liked um in the final battle with the what are they called the white marsh the hyper clan. The hyper clan. I like how they paired characters together. Um, so I liked how Joe, who's becoming my favorite Green Lantern, um, <laughs> played Batman and Superman against the hyper clan versions of that. Like it was just, um, it was just smart, and it done any poorly, it could have been a lot more confusing because they like they were trying to juggle dialogue complexity with the art, and it it just worked. It was fine. Like um, this was this was solid. What do you guys think? I wound up just like you. I didn't like the first issue. It felt very '90s. It felt very by the numbers, and it felt a little bit in their character characterization of the characters to me, maybe a little forced. Now I think that is because it they probably knew they were only going to get the two issues to really. Mm-hmm. do this, do their story, and they wanted to present as much of these characters as, as they could. Um, but that's how it came off in um, reading that one that one issue. This issue, I still feel it, it definitely still has that same 90s vibe because this is to wrap up to that story. So it's a 90s story. But at the end of the day, I did come away enjoying yeah. these characters. I enjoyed their depiction. I enjoyed a Batman that is very much a Batman that you know, but it's still a different type of Batman. He's not the smartest person in the room. Um, oh, yeah. I too love um, Joe from Far Sector's Green Lantern. She is already my favorite Green Lantern. Um, so I, I liked her, it, it, and it felt natural for her to be made the leader of this team as she was showing that she was pretty much the leader of this team. I like a the Superman 
in this in this book is not as assured as he as he is. Love Yara's Wonder Woman. And there's actually an aqua that I like. So yeah. I'm like, I, I at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I found myself rooting for this team. And then, you know, th- the last page of this story makes you like, oh man, you mean this is it? Get the fuck. Because it's like so many futures are set up just <laughs> on that one page. I'm like, <laughs> Oh man, this is the bullshit, man! Like y- 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 y'all, you finally getting me. You you hooked me, and and if, and, if, and if DC, if you knew how hard it was to hook me, but you hooked yeah, I, me, and and now you're just going to like let be it go. Fair, it's I'm more like, of a Stockholm on. syndrome kind of thing because we're forcing you to read these books every week. Um, I think <laughs> I think you just finally you know broke down. Good point. Like, <gasps> is this good now? <laughs> like, you just—it's actually this is like phase four of your conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead B. um well so i did i did like the first book although i don't disagree with anything you guys said like it wasn't it wasn't like it was like a 90s futures mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. um and uh but i dug it you know i did this one however i really enjoyed like i i so i had the same experience that you guys had just one level up on each issue um and uh yeah i liked it a lot i liked the um i like the the wrap-up you know the finale it reminds me that whenever they try to do the justice league as not getting along in fighting or whatever it doesn't work the avengers it works right Mm -hmm. they're always sniping at each other the justice league are like tight you know and i think it always works better in that way and i was pleased with that resolution um I, I thought it was odd that the hyper clan um, it still is in their hyper clan form when they are alone. Like they are white Martians. Why are they? That was just to pretend to be heroes in the nineties in the, just in the JLA story, but maybe they've taken to them. You know, they like it. <laughs> I don't know. I think this, I think this um, would have been served better as yeah. a, as a full mini series because you've got, you've got the, uh, you could have a whole issue on that hell planet. You can have, you can have a whole issue exploring the previous Justice League's decision to maybe unjustly put them at that hell planet. Mm. You could have like this. This one could have definitely been better expanded. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know. How, I don't know how some of these books got like four issues or two monthly, and then some just got two. Right. How they this decide. one yeah. feels like it yeah. should have gotten more, yeah, especially yeah. you know the prestige right. of the Justice League and bringing all these new characters together as one. It's like you're even handcuffed more not to be able to give them real characters because you've got no, no space at all. So That's if I'm true. hearing you That's guys true. correctly, Len, you want more after this and Noel, you wanted more of this. So the main thing that you're not liking about future state is that they're no, not. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for this that's event not, that you're not that's into, not incorrect. you want no, no, more. That's, that's, I mean, you're twisting <laughs> it, but that's not incorrect. Yeah. The, my problem <laughs> right. with this initiative, cause I'm not even calling it an event. There's no spine to this event. Yeah. It's just, Hey, everybody, aesthetically we're doing this. And then everybody's just doing their own shit. Um, yeah. There's no, sp- right. which is what you had wanted them to do. Right. Don't do an event. Just change the publishing line with no explanation, no, as I mean, you mentioned earlier I, wait, in the actually, show. No, uh, yeah, I know. I'm twisting that again. <laughs> no, I mean, Future State <laughs> had nothing to do with it. It was the, what, what is your grounding? Yeah, what, yeah. Is your, what is your baseline? And then we could tell our stories all around your baseline. They haven't revealed what their baseline yeah, is yeah. yet. But publicly, all they're saying is that there is no baseline or the baseline is all, which is 
really weird or it's not anything that that I find appealing, it right? It is weird. I mean, I love Elseworlds stuff, but if you're going to just be a line of Elseworlds, cool. Oh, sure. Do it. Say that. That's what I'm mostly that's what I'm mostly seeing these as. You know, but, are just these are Elseworlds but stories. Taken, taken as yeah. as one. So like just the magistrate story over Gotham. Hmm. There's no cohesion, there's no mm-hmm. spine of that either. It's just pieces all around. And I mean, they did finally announce that there's going to be a future state Gotham ongoing starting in May. But it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be focused on the Red Hood. So like his part in all this. So maybe there is a hope that they'll tell this larger magistrate story somewhere else, but just seeing it as it is, it's like it's just all the good ideas are truncated and everything else is just kind of like decoration. I, I was uh, actually with these, these more, uh, this month's issues, I was finding myself liking that, um, that aspect of it where they're this one, Superman, I, Wonder um, Woman. I don't I, know if we're planning on talking it, about no. that later, but yeah. Ooh, I loved it. Uh, I read it you too. know, and yeah, it was really good. Um, very enjoyable. And the fact that it was just two issues, was like, here's a Superman Wonder Woman story, and mm-hmm. it's cool, and it takes place in the future, and then this is it. Um, I'd like to see more of that team, but um, I was very satisfied. Yeah, I, I only I played up. I like the I, I like the Superman Wonder Woman too. It it has a very All Star Superman feel to it, and that's ah, what I yeah. enjoyed about it. It's yeah. really it really ultimately uh, worked. I'll have to go back. I, I, um, I didn't Mm -hmm. like, we could have easily just like every other week in the, like in the last month, we could have just done a fucking hour on future state. State. So I was trying to spread the love around and just did these two. Cause I knew that JD liked you and JD liked justice league one. And then me and Len were like, meh. So I figured Mm -hmm. let's see, but, um, well, that's interesting. And you guys did like it. You know I I mean? I think, I can this but, issue was very strong. I don't like think it was you read a really, it, but I can all but guarantee yeah. that JD will probably have the same response that you did to it. Like I liked the first one. This one was better, whereas we were like, meh, cool. Like it just yeah. progressed. This one was uh, better. But, right, yeah, yeah. There, there is one scene where the leader of the Hyper Clan meets all six Justice League impersonators, and I wonder who the extra person is. <laughs> but Right, I, I I went back over and over it, and there's there's one scene right when right when uh, I don't know what his name is, the leader of them, the the golden white guy, whatever. Um, it, yeah, and he's putting the red sphere in their machine, and all six of the Justice League are there. I mean, they're not really the Justice League; they're the White Martians pretending to be, and which I also thought saw it was a cool idea. A cool build on their JLA concept was like, instead of introducing ourselves as new heroes, let's just pretend to be the league. But anyway, so there are all six are there and then he's there and she, and one, the wonder woman imposter says, why are you revealing yourself? Because he's supposed to be as one of the justice. Oh, well, he says it, which one? He, uh, like, I wasn't sure where you were going with this. He says like, why shouldn't they something to the effect of why shouldn't they see us as we are doing this great stuff? Like it was, it was, he was attempting to, to be his, his reveal because they'll love it. No, but what he's saying, but what he's saying no, is no, that they're all, all the, six in the, yeah in the shot. All the other six are impersonating all the six of the Justice League. So which one was he <laughs> oh. supposed to have been impersonating? And I think yeah, yeah. I honestly think that's just an artist oh, mistake. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, um, I didn't even notice. Yeah, but I, I just found it. I, I, I didn't have yeah. a trained eye with this book. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on because 
Yeah. Oh, we're not going to. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, can I say one other thing? I, ah, we're not going to, but it's fun. And, and it's about uh, Green Lantern. So early in the book, the thing that they, that I forget who it is, but, uh, but the way that they can recognize that it's her is that when she's cocky, her constructs are, are more detailed. Right. Mm. And then this was uh, such an awesome moment later in the book. She figures out that um, the Superman and Flash are impersonating. They're, they're not the real ones because she says something true that they read in her mind, but that she never told the All Justice right. League. It's very clever. And then her constructs right there are the um, in-universe, like real-life depictions of the old Batman and Flash, which is way more detailed than Green Lantern constructs so usually are. That's, and that's, that's awesome. a great scene, like, but she's super bringing it up reminded me. Yeah. It's her that makes the turn at the mm-hmm. end, saying that they sh- that knowing each other more helped them in this fight, whereas that was mm-hmm. an explicit example of mm-hmm. them not knowing her at all, helping her in the fight. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. Uh, it helped everybody else. Ah, all she's right. a good leader, we're, right? She are, doesn't just take her own experience into like account. Six more books. This, yeah, and, this, and we've got we've got awesome, we've got twenty minutes. Come <laughs> so, on, let's keep it moving. Uh, I thought this might be fun to talk about. Black Hammer Visions, number one, written by Pat Oswalt with art by Dean Kotz. So um, an exciting reimagination of the Eisner Award-winning Black Hammer series led by, or told by guest writers and artists such as Pat Oswalt, Jeff Johns, Mariko Tamaki, Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Thompson, and more of comics top talent. This issue, Pat Oswalt joins artist Dean Kotz and Jason Wardy to explore the life of youthful superheroine Golden Gale on the Black Hammer farm before the beginning of Black Hammer number one, and her struggle to maintain sanity as a middle-aged woman trapped in an unchanging body of superpowered grade schooler. So we had previously done a book club of the first volume of Black Hammer. I know that Len has read the whole thing. I've read half of it, and I will go back and read the rest. Um, and we've done the Black Hammer miniseries here and there. I think the last one that we kind of touched on was Barbalian. But I thought that this was interesting because it's an anthology series that explicitly just takes one of the characters with a guest writer or an artist team to tell a side story. Sometimes these are great. Um, So I wanted to give this a shot. And personally, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was a really, really wonderful. Like they took one of those plot holes or plot-ish holes of the original story that we read, especially about Gail, them having to put her in school constantly. And the first thing I thought was like, how do you keep putting her in a different way? Like she still looks the same. I mean, these people don't forget over 10 years so much that, so you tell the story through the lens of some, some girls graduating high school and how they came across Gail three times. Once when they were like eight or is it twice? Like once when they were like eight or nine. And then once when they were like in eighth grade and then she see no, it's three times because then she sees her again later in the book in, in present day. Oh, well, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But I thought it was such a really cool construct to tell a story about being weird versus being cool in high school. Like, it was just, there was many Mm -hmm. layers to this, and I really enjoyed it. What did you guys think? I really liked it, too. I uh, Just off the top, uh, Todd Engel says, so good. Who knew Patton Oswalt was so good at writing comics? And I also, when I saw the cover, I was like, oh, Patton Oswalt is writing this? I mean, we all know how big a fan of comics Patton Oswalt is, but I'd never known him to write one. And um, it was really good. You know, it, it very well done. I liked that this one, it's a single issue story. I remember we did the Barbalian one a little while ago. And although I thought it was well done, I wasn't drawn to continue that story. Um, I mean, I've never read 
the uh, Black Hammer other than what we reviewed for the show. So I liked that this was an entire tale. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the shortness, the succinctness of the story, I thought was very cool. Um, and yeah, I remember I remember wondering why they even put her in school, which I don't think was answered in the in the trade. But uh, whatever they do, and and I like the message. You know, the message is great. She's like, you're cool, you're weird, and um, I I refuse to let my my friend change that. Who has the ability? Yeah, to well, the, the, I loved yeah. the two aspects of it. So she told the one girl, "You're weird. Don't stop being weird. Don't let anybody stop you." And then you find out later on, she told the other girl, "You're going to change, and it's not going to bother you, but it's going to bother her." Hmm. Um, right. Which I thought was rad. Right. It was just a wonderful. Right. Especially, especially rad because that is another way of showing, you know, an aged person in this body. Oh, yeah. The wisdom that this person has. This, this person has lived, has been where you were. They know this story. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like your favorite aunt, your grandmother just kind of like whispering in your ear. Um, I love this. Uh, this is like, this is what, um, and, and, and B will get this. This is what Astro City at its best is, is a comic book that is set in a superhero universe, but then uses that universe to try and set, tell real stories, real human stories. And that's what this is. It's set in this universe of Black Hammer with this character who can't age and then using that aspect as another way of, reviewing you know you know growing up different growing up with a sense of that you're different that your sense that you're not like the others and how do you deal with that how do you uh you you manage that with your life and i thought that the art is is very cool because it's without being exact it's reminiscent of the art of yeah. black hammer so you definitely feel like you're still yeah. in that universe um the writing feels like sp- spot on because the universe of Black Hammer is not really time specific. So it's not like it, it's supposed to be taking place in like, you know, it, uh, like some big city, um, or necessarily even taking place in like, you know, the 21st century so much. So these people feel like they're in time, but slightly out of time, maybe like a, almost like a, um, almost like to, to a degree, like, for all intents and purposes, this could be Riverdale, you know, the world of Archie, you know, Archie comic books, not the, 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 the TV show, um, that this, that this was set in. Um, I really just found myself enjoying it, enjoying the perspective, a- able to, you know, kind of like, um, uh, definitely mm-hmm. relate with some of the, the feelings that the characters had. And I also enjoyed the way that it wraps up. In that Gail is not just a teen whisperer, she's also a whisperer for just being yourself. Because anyone who's read Black Hammer, Gail is the one who's the most troubled by her predicament because she she is a grown woman that is stuck in a little child's yeah. body. And it's an intensely frustrating for her. But she also um, recognizes, you know, who she is and and because of who and because of the the form in which she's she's stuck in she can't express yeah. who she is so she definitely values the 
ability to do so. And when that is threatened to one of them, just because they know her, she staunchly is like, no, don't do not steal this from this woman. Let, let her be who she is. Don't don't just like, you know, erase her. Yeah, I thought it was a beautiful moment. I don't it's, think, it's um, uh, Brian, you only read the first six issues. I got to read the first 12 and it's not clear in the first six issues that Gail is not just stuck as a kid. She lived as a 50 year old woman. It's like she lived her entire life and aged and right, then got right. stuck as a kid. So it's not just becoming wise within a body. It's literally like a body dysmorphia being stuck in another body that is not yours at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, it's, it's almost cause I, there's been other stories and I can't come up with an example right now of kid doesn't age. So kid becomes more mature. This is almost, this is almost 10 times mm-hmm. more tragic because she had a life and then it was re- uh, regressed from her, which I thought, which is just so creepy. It is, this is good. And the, and the next yeah. issue is, yeah. a, I guess, Jeff John's doing a horror version of the witch. The... Well, one of the characters definitely le- lends herself to horror. And she, What's she her name? Like the butterfly or dragonfly or something? Yeah, she's like the butterfly. Yeah, something like that. But I love yeah, the idea of yeah. taking popular creators, giving them a genre and chucking them into the black hammer universe for one issue. That's such a good idea for an anthology. I hope they're all as strong as this one. Yeah. Me too. Right, I mean, let's, let's roll right along. All right. So Keep the next moving. book I want to talk about, I, I had mm-hmm. heard a lot of buzz for this book before it came out. So let's see if it met that buzz. It's radiant black. Number one, written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcelo Costa. Nathan Burnett has just turned 30 and things aren't great. He's working and failing at two jobs, his credit card debt is piling up and his only move is moving back home with his parents. But when Nathan discovers and unlocks an ethereal cosmic radiant, he give, he's given the power to radically change his fortunes. There's just one problem. The powers don't belong to him and the cosmic beings who created them want them back by any means necessary. So I had heard, I had heard about this series and, and image was really pushing it. And, um, I, I really liked the design on the cover. Like the cover is gorgeous. Um, and mm-hmm. I lo- I really like Kyle Higgins. I've read a lot of really cool stuff for Kyle Higgins over the last couple of years, but most recently he did the Ultraman series that you guys necessarily, I don't think anybody read beyond the first issue that was, I mean, it was borderline, ador- it was borderline adorable. It was, it was good really, really good. But then he also is the creator that revived um, Power Rangers at Boom. And helped make that one of the most popular books on the stands. It has me questioning why I'm reading Power Rangers still. It's like he <laughs> he has the ability, or he has the innate ability to take um, perhaps cheesy or very simple things, but then imbue them with character to make them more engrossing. So what I was expecting out of this was characters that I really like in situations that are tropes. So not really, not really like breaking the barriers or doing something totally different so much as doing something that's very familiar, but deftly. And I think that's pretty much what I got from this first issue. Spend 90% of it establishing his two main characters. And then at the, in the very last, like three pages, here's the, here's the hook. Um, That might not work for a lot of people, especially if they were just expecting this to be superhero-y right away. So I wonder what you guys thought. I I was cool with it. What did you think, Len? Uh, 
I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, there's a, um, I mean, you told the story. The, the, the first of all, this sad sack <laughs> of a of a dude. Like how do you, like thirty eight thousand dollars in credit card debt? You are you are pathetic, dog. You are like really really pathetic. It 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 it's fun. It's engaging. I I was immersed in in the characters right from the door. I liked that as real as these characters were and as kind of formulaic as they portend to be that there is there was a slight change because you thought that you you certainly could read the setup of where your protagonist meets his his uh his friend he, he has to move back home to his mom's which is always a demoralizing <laughs> event and it is it is written as the demoralizing event that mm-hmm. it truly is but then he runs across his friend back in his hometown who is giving him shit for having to move back home which is uh nobody wants that <laughs> but just when you think he's just going to be a total dick he at the end of the day it's like yeah but you're still my boy yeah so like yo dog, like you like let's let's work through this, man. And I lo- I loved that. And then when the the hook comes and like you know the 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 radiant black comes out of the sky and and shit changes. There's a moment where the dude gets his costume and his his armor or whatever the fuck it is. And this bull walks up to him and he got like, he has like this glass helmet on his head and he walks up to him and starts yeah. tapping him on his head. And it's like, do you feel that? And I was like, that is, yeah. la- I meanwhile, laughed out loud funny. This poor kid, I said, yeah, meanwhile, this working. poor kid is having a panic attack and not sure how to get it off because there's no scene. Yeah, yeah. No, I, def- I definitely have friends like that too, where they, they bust your, your, your balls more than a villain would, but it's, for some reason, mm-hmm. it is still um, it's still sentiment and it's still affection, and it's very very difficult right, to do right. that on paper. But I, I like I never hmm. I I oscillated between hating and loving this character, and I think that that was by design. So I was totally okay with it, and I would I would totally be, like yeah. later on in this series if I could see them going either way, this character becoming mm-hmm. lecherous and terrible because he's jealous. Or becoming the greatest confidant of this, you know, upstream. They could go either way with it, and they might arc to arc. It's just it works on both levels, and I right. thought that, that was really cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I, I enjoyed the book. I, and I also, real quick, I am I the only one that uh, reading this got a little bit of oh, yeah. invincible vibes from this in the dialogue and also in the art. There's definitely a, a Ryan Otley like vibe to one thousand percent work um, that, that I enjoyed. That I enjoyed a lot. I think even in the solicitation, they mention um, a cross between Invincible and Power Rangers. Which makes me think that there mm. will be like yep. Yep. massive monsters or something, or even just uh, the idea of how they'll oh, maybe just, just suits or, or multiple suits. I, mm, Who yeah. knows? Uh, Read the book. Yeah. yeah, this this was cool. What did you think, Bri? Uh, I also really enjoyed it. Um, uh, yeah, it was uh, all that <laughs> all that you guys made it out to be. It was. Um, I like the guy. Like the costume design was very cool. I would absolutely go up and try to grab something if it appeared <laughs> floating in front of me. I mean, why? Oh yeah, they they were drunkish too. It so could it's be like... a, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not kidding. I would absolutely go up. And you try don't need to grab something. Well, no, I mean, I mean, like if you were if you were just <laughs> right. if you were, you were just like half buzzed and you saw what looks like a lens flare slash yeah, yeah. black hole floating in your eye line, like 
yeah, I'm going to walk up to yeah. it and like, yeah, the hell is this? I'm going to take a look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if there's a strange doorway that appears, I am going through it. If a ring lands in front of me of from the sky, I'm putting that ring on. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, <laughs> you know? I oh, that kind of ring. ring. I would step inside. Like, yes. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I will go inside of it. Right, exactly. You got to do that. You got to try these things out. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. His his characterization is interesting. You know, the main character. Um, and yeah, looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I think this the way that it sets up the next the next. Uh, Issue. Parts of the story are interesting. The next issue, yeah. Um, I find it impressive that he was able to lift this train and then set it perfectly back on the track yeah. so that there was I'm, no issues. I, you know what? I, I think, <laughs> so I never read Invincible in issues, nor did I read like um, Amaz- or Ultimate Spider-Man in issues, but I know that they spent mm-hmm. a whole arc with the characters just getting to either getting to either know them or even before they got in costume, they spent time with it. I wonder... It felt like about two years when it was coming out, but, but, but I was young idea, and I don't remember. If I was reading that time. in issues, I wonder if I would have become impatient. So I'm trying to be more patient with this. Like it's, there's not, there's no action in this book, hmm. but there's setup and promise for all, like there's, hmm. you know, picks up a train kind of thing. It's, it's more like inciting incident than there is actual like action. So I'm I'm kind of cutting more slack mm. for pacing because I feel like it's going to be the same type of thing. Like as a collection or a couple issues in a row, this is going to be more mm. than just a cold open. I'm- Plus, I feel I feel like get superpowers in costume is for me. Like that's like all right, that's good. But yeah, exactly. That's enough for me. I thought it was interesting the friend, um, like the way that he is talking to these police and and like not Very getting privileged. off the tracks i'm Very like privileged. they seem to be in a pretty reasonable hella privilege right like they're telling you to get off of train tracks with a train coming like what are He's you doing and yeah. it was He's kind of interesting shit. well he is and i wondered if they he was going for um at the at when they're they're on this water tower and talking and he's like oh no i was trying to help you because that is the kind of thing that people do in stories where they're like, this oh, guy just you know got what? this crazy I, power. I, I and I like need you, to... you'd have a, like a yeah, side character shoot him. Yeah. Like, ah, I knew you were bulletproof. Like you didn't know when you shot me. Like it's usually done as a joke. Right. But. Oh, no, no, no. I was thinking more like, you know, sometimes people make grand plays with the police in this kind of story where they're like, well, you can't do anything. Like yeah. I'm not getting off of this train tracks until you let us go. And he's like, well, you had just, gotten taken over by this crazy suit and i needed to go but in the real world it would be like yeah and also too like if that's if that's the intention it's 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 poor execution because it's a matter of 70 80 seconds between getting the suit and standing on the tracks in front of the cops nobody has had time to process anything i took it as him being more of a petulant shit (laughs) than trying to prove his friend is a is a strong right but um I, I do want right. to talk about something really, really quick. If Brian, if All you right. can help me out, um, do you know anything about this Patreon? Is am I saying that right? P- Patreon. You know, I've never really heard a pronunciation guide. I pronounced it Magneto for years until the animated series. Because why wouldn't you? It's magnet power. So I've heard people say Patreon.com/backslash Johnny. What do you do with it? I mean, um, why? Why should knows? you go there? You. What one would do with it, right? If one has some money that they want to give to the show, 
well, we've made it, we've made it easy for you. Well, Patreon.com has made it easy for you. And so you go give us money as much or as little as you like. And if, uh, you know, if you don't have any, if you don't have any money or can't spare any money, just like, or subscribe to this, uh, this channel and, uh, you know, tell people about it. Just talk it up. Um, also, if you want to support the show, you can, uh, like subscribe, comment, say hello, ring the bell. Um, Engage with us every single place that we are. Um, YouTube.com slash cultpopgo or on Facebook uh, slash cultpoppodcasts. If you see in us the in bathroom. the street, if you want to come to the store, uh, I, already, I always forget the actual street address. Just come to Maniac Main Street. That's 4327 Main Street. I'm and physically Maniac here right now and I still don't it know. Is the only, it is the <laughs> only comic book shop in That's right. Maniunk. So go to Maniunk in PA and then yeah. say, hey, point me to the complex. And everybody will go, yeah. it's right there. You could just scream it yeah. in the street. Everybody. Somebody will be like, shut up. Yeah. Hey, there might be complex. an ice sculpture outside right now. There no, is, is a that ice sculpture still ice there? sculpture outside right now. There was a, a street event this weekend. Um, but yeah, look, look we, money's yeah. great. Your eyeballs and ears and patronage just hanging out with us is, is just as good. So thank you. Um, Justice is We are gonna yes. power through a couple of other books. So I did put this on here uh, mainly because of the creative team. Jeffrey Thorne is is um is showing up a lot uh, in DC and at Marvel, um, and he wrote King and Black, Black Panther number one, which is the one shot or one and done story tie in of Black Panther into the King of Black, and the solicits say this. Oh, sorry, with art by Jermaine Peralta. Simba. <laughs> Symbiotes invade the unconquerable country of Wakanda. T'Challa's most treasured allies are lost in a storm of Null's making in this wild one-shot. Critically acclaimed writer, actor, and producer Jeffrey Thorne explores a Wakanda gone dark, invaded by Null's massive symbiote army. Wakanda needs its king. It needs the Black Panther. But once again, the hero must choose between his role as an Avenger, his role as a king, and the yearnings of his heart. So on its surface, I thought that this was a, a really fun, straightforward kind of problem-solving scenario for for T'Challa. But it was emotionally hooked on his relationship with Storm that I thought didn't exist anymore. So I, it made yeah. me wonder about the continuity of that, if that's even a thing anymore. Or maybe it's something that Jeffrey Thorne wants to reintroduce. Either way, it was very ambiguous when it comes to what's currently happening with Black Panther everywhere else. So it felt jarring. So maybe this is more of an issue for those that have not been reading anything with T'Challa in it for, I don't know, the past 10 years, 15 years. Right. I don't know. It's been a while. And also, now that you mention it, it doesn't have anything to do with the the storm stuff. No, no. It's it's, it's essentially just an emotional hook. So it starts with her. yeah, falling in New York. So in in the in the series Prime, the X Men have fallen to Null and and blah. So it starts with kind of like that happening, and then T'Challa just kind of feeling it, and then making mention of his beloved. Yeah, yeah, because he no. wasn't there, if I don't remember right. Right. No, I don't think so. I, I assume he's he's yeah. been in Wakanda so, the whole time. You know, like on its own. I now, enjoyed the know? story. I think it. Was, I thought it was, like. I liked this in the same for the same reasons. This I feel this is better, but I liked this for the same reasons that I enjoyed his first issue of Green Lantern for Future State. It was a it was a mm-hmm. very tight war story 
that just plops you into a problem and an army and a, and and the smarter smartest people in the room trying to solve the problem. And I, I really like when that's fast paced and put together. So like that was entertaining. But when it came to kind of the storm stuff and the greater purpose of what they're doing and the metaphor started to fall apart a little. So like I would give this like a C yeah. plus B minus kind of solid. Well, even his emotional beats with Storm, like in no way play into the story. You know, there's there's no there's no, no. tie-in between those two things at all. And is strange. I, I did like the I, I love a good fable kind of overlay mm. on a on a story. I thought that part was cool. Um, I want. I wondered why when Black Panther is like, "Don your sheaths, put your sheaths up." Where yeah. are they not already up? Like what points? <laughs> yeah, story there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I mean, because. I know that even if I hadn't gotten the order to put on my sheath, I'm right. like, you know what? I think I'm going sheath. <laughs> right. I don't know about y'all, but something tells right. me. I had this, that- I had this sheath. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it ain't doing me no good in my pocket. Or imagine being like that one soldier in the front line that's just like, motherfucker, I put it on. Like, <laughs> when they started storming I saw this guy next to me turn into one of our yeah, enemies like, and my sheath was Jimmy off. turned into a monster <laughs> and I just put it on like he no it didn't seem like it had a purpose I, to me it almost felt like um, it felt like a, a a writer trying to will something into existence or will it to happen. Like he's a fan of this. doesn't matter what you guys thought or whatever. He could do it right. And I was just going to toss it in there. Are you, yeah. are you am, still talking about the I storm still thing? I hung up on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, here's the, well, first of, first of all, I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it for, and it's, it's amazing how much of like, I, I don't give a fuck about this whole <laughs> no <null> shit, but <laughs> I am enjoying a lot of the one shots for what yeah. they are. And I enjoy yeah. this for what it is. This was fun. It was slick. Jermaine oh, yeah. Peralta's art is amazing in this. Um, the characterizations of all the characters from Shuri to Okoye, um, and Black Panther. The, the the world building of Wakanda that it, that is seen in here, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every aspect of, of this. The whole deal with Storm, I don't like. I don't want to put this at the writers, you know, um, blame the writer so much for this because there is a feeling upon that I feel and there's a certain sect of the internet out there that feels as well that the move will be now, especially mm-hmm. since Marvel has control of the X-Men properties to, as this being a way of them to introduce the X-Men and primarily storm into their movie cinematic universe. And you, as we know, the synergy between the comics and the movie companies is tight. It's not like DC. It's tight over at Marvel. And I would not be surprised if the word hasn't come down to start workshopping this into your stories in some way so that we can get get an, uh, uh, an idea how this is going to play yeah. over overall. I and think that's what I see happening here. I'm not for it. I'm not. But I'm I think, saying, but that's what I, I'm I seeing. I think one happening. level down. 
Personally, I think it's maybe one level down. Not um, an edict from Disney that these two characters are going to be in the movie. So wait, hold on, hold on. No, it's not no, Disney. No, it's I, Marvel. I think it's more. I think it might be more. You know, we started seeing more um, money put into X Men and Fantastic Four and whatever. As soon, like, just in the mm-hmm. comics, as soon as they lost the license, or as soon yeah. as like Fox stopped yeah. doing stuff with it. And maybe this is it too. Like, okay, we can finally let this relationship do something again. So you guys go ahead and do it because we own the characters on every level. Oh, you think they were keeping them separate? I think that they were not exploring the, it not because okay. they could. Like, it, you know, uh, there was there was a whole bunch of there was a whole bunch uh, of like you know articles at various levels of <laughs> various levels of hmm. real or not that were written about the fact that uh, you know Marvel's not putting Fantastic Four in anything because Ike hates. Fox and right. blah blah blah, and the X Men are shunt because well, they canceled the book too, which that one seemed to be like they canceled the Fantastic Four for the first time in their publishing history. I think, right? Like, well, no, I, I I definitely believe that you know they 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 turned off the faucet money wise to yeah. X Men and 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 Fantastic Four when even more Fantastic Four because well, X Men was well because X Men are way more popular right so right, they, right right yeah. you know X Men they kind of like they had to keep out there because it was still yeah. popular but that's when they started bigging up Avengers and Inhumans and all that yeah, type yeah. of stuff yeah. so I definitely think that you know they've turned the faucet back on money wise to those two properties and maybe because of not wanting to shine more light on the um the X-Men than they necessarily had to. Maybe that's why the Black Panther Storm relationship was more dissolved and not, you know, supported over those years. But don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some Mm. segment of the um, Internet's, you know, uh, uh, feeling about how forced that union was um, th- that it kind of dissuaded them from returning to it, you know, whole cloth and, and, and that being a reason why they're just trying to pepper yeah. this stuff in here now uh, as to kind of workshop to see how it's going to, to go over. I'm not for it. I don't like it. I don't, I, I, I like Black Panther. I like T'Challa. I like Storm. I don't like them together. I'm not for, yeah. I'm not for that. But I, but I'm just reading. That's what I see is happening here. That's the way no, I'm reading. I don't reading. disagree with you. I just like if, uh, like, as, as a story, if you're like, it would only, it would only read not. It only reads organically if you haven't been reading anything. For the last dozen. That's years. true. So. That, the, right. That's right, true because if you're just because if the last thing you knew was that those two were married and maybe they they're not married anymore. It it certainly reads on a human level that yeah he might be feeling something that's his ex wife and yes and, and that does make kind of sense. But you just gotta read between the but the leaves. I, all things considered, that, like when on. it comes to tie-ins, this was this was strong. Like it was just a good story on its own. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's it was. let's move on it to was. a book that i was surprised by and it kind of was a request uh by a listener um so a couple weeks ago was it was it saint saucy either way somebody somebody a couple weeks ago was just like read scout Towner. scout Towner was great aftershock scout Towner, read it so the second issue came out this week and we decided to read it um and i will tell you what the solicitation says so scout Towner number two by aftershock comics written by david pepos with I'm going to butcher this name. Art by Luca Casan Laguida. Yeah. 
Luca, good guy. Um, okay. Yeah. Ever since the bombs fell and the skies turned to nuclear fire, the Ranger Scouts of America have built their religion upon the most sacred law, always be prepared. But after discovering a chilling secret in an abandoned bunker, Kit's belief in the scout tradition is rocked to its core. When, yet, when a gang of murderous highwaymen breached the Ranger Scout compound, her growing doubts might come to a harrowing cost. So, um, I... Did it say her? Yeah. Well, I yeah, that's a. <laughs> for, for oh, this is the solicitation so the first for issue. Two. Spoilers: If you're not reading okay. this, it's a, it was a wonderful, uh, a wonderful amount of turns, and it's a, it was a really good book. In the first issue, it's revealed that you know, hundreds of years after the bombs fall, one of the only pieces of literature that existed was a Eagle Scout handbook or or a, a Boy Scout handbook. So it's like a a religious sect of scouts. And survivalists that just kind of propel. And it's only men, only boys. And we're introduced to this character who is amazing at it and will become an eagle. What, what's the designation? It's not an eagle scout. Eagle ranger. Eagle ranger, I believe. Yeah, eagle ranger. But yeah. then it's revealed that she's actually a woman. Joan of Arc style, Mulan style. It's pretty great. And then this is just the further adventures of it. And we learn, we learn some of truths, some harsh truths about what transpired a hundred hundreds of years ago in regards to the scouts. Um, this is just a fun ass book. I found myself incredibly surprised. Like the art is strong. The writing is, is very tight. They create a whole world very quickly that's fleshed out. And I, I just, I enjoyed the hell out of this. I was very surprised, read the first issue and immediately messaged you guys. Like, I think we're going to talk about scouts honor if you're okay with that. Like this was a really, really fun book and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the recommendation. Thank you for that. What'd you guys think? I thought it was all right. I was, uh, so I didn't read the first one until I read them both together. You know, uh, I read them last, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't believe I read you. Them. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep, keep, keep talking, <laughs> B. Keep talking. Right. Keep talking. I read, uh, I read them both together and it, I was kind of, by the end of the first issue, I was like, all right, that was interesting. You know, like I, I'm now interested to see what is, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the second issue. I guess I was a little turned off by the, by the scout kind of milieu that it was in. I never been a, a fan of the whole, like with their uniforms and rules and, you know, that kind of, uh, their a general outlook kind of thing, um, of the scouts. Uh, although not that, not that they turn out to be so great in this story, um, but just like, you know, I'm not a big fan of reading uh, stories about about uh, like military stories either. It's just not the kind of not the kind of thing that I usually get into. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was uh, dystopian, dystopian future, you know, post apocalypse kind of thing. There, I didn't think there was anything like incredibly new but it's a capably told story um of this kind of stuff i felt the same thing real quick uh you've got up there i'm looking on the the scroll here and it says scouts honor number two um but i i guess i only read number one because that's the one that i that i saw (laughs) saw in in the uh in our dropbox for, for us to read and i read it so i'm just peeping that but that being said 
I enjoyed it. I I thought it was fun. I thought it was definitely engaging artwork, which is always the first thing that I, I look for. The story was kind of cool. It almost felt like, you know, what would happen to me being a huge fan of um, the Uncle Scrooge tales by Carl Barks and DuckTales comic strip um, and TV series that uh, featured Huey, Dewey and Louie. Um, the little ducks who were also uh, junior woodchuck scouts and they had like their junior woodchuck manual, which basically was an encyclopedia of life, which like they would go, (laughs) they would reference that for everything that they came across. Like it taught you how to start a car, start you how to hotwire a car. It taught you like all the different rocks of the universe. Um, It taught you about the the constellations in the sky. It, 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 had everything. It was this little, little book that they just keep in their pocket. <laughs> and this, this read like what would happen if Huey, Dewey, and Louie were at the end of the world, right? Because they're like these scouts <laughs> who've got this book that they swear by. Like this is what they, this is how they live their life and every, they reference all the time. So that's how I, I read this in the beginning. And then as it, the story changed and it continued on and, you know, things got subverted and you learn that the one character, Kit, is actually, you know, uh, it's not just Kit the brother. It's like, it's, it's Kit, you know, it's like mm. Kit uh, the lady. It's like, all right, cool. Um, so that's a, a little bit of a change that I didn't see coming, but uh, I didn't see coming until the next to the last page. I was like, oh, my God. And like, boom, there it is. It's cool. I don't care. It was fine. By then I was engaged in it. And I was like, you know what? This is a fun little kind of book. And it did anything new as far as this, this like view of the dystopian, uh, earth? Maybe not. Um, I like the switch of it because the scouts go against this, uh, this rogue band that are called the highway men. And when you on their surface, they definitely look like the bad guys of this town, of this time. And there was a little bit of, a little bit where I didn't like that because they were mostly portrayed as people of color as, as those bad guys. The highwaymen are? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as much as you could see, because they definitely had masks and some of them had long sleeves on, but the ones right, that right. didn't, they definitely, they were more people of color. And I was like, uh, I don't know how I like that. Yeah, but then yeah. with the switch at the end of what the, mm-hmm. the, the scouts are really about, now you can't look at the highway men the same. So I'm like, okay, all right, all right, maybe I'm be doing something with this. Okay, I, I'm staying, yeah. I'm staying locked in with this. So at the as it all, once I reached the end of the um, issue, I was, I was in, I was in for the ride. I wonder how you know in movies and whatever they sometimes a uh, woman will uh, masquerade as a as a man in. You know, in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how effective that would be. Like, all she does is kind of bind herself. True. And and uh, and that's it. <laughs> like, would you not? Would you not just be like, oh, it's just a woman? Uh, well. You know, I and mean, I am not, not anything about, like, I, this is not about how she identifies or anything like that. Like, she is just, she identifies as a woman, but is pretending to be a man for these specific purposes. True. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, look. If you you walk a certain way, you talk a certain right? way. Yeah, you, I guess you so. can pull it you know? off. You know, and people people tend to see what they, they think is there. Right. 
you know? That's right. So they they fill too. in the blanks. So the last thing that I asked everyone to read was... I believe it was The Eternals it, number two. Well, is that Eternals. correct? By, written by it Kieran was. Gillen with art by Isad Ribic. Thanos versus Icarus. In the heart of the city driven mad by time. Eternals live eternally. One is dead. They handle it well. No, they don't. They handle it badly. Eternal revenge <laughs> is a dish best served forever. So, um, surprisingly likes the first issue. Same notes. This is just weird fun. Um, they keep escalate. Yeah. So the the idea of what the conflict would be when you've got characters that live forever, um, they immediately took that off the board, which I thought was pretty fun. It wasn't a surprise, but it was pretty fun. And I, I, I like that we're the wonky omniscient narration is the great machine, Earth, who's mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. kind of not all there. And it's it's really funny to right, read. Right, right. So I, I just really dug this. What did you guys think, Len? I can't believe it, but I kind of dug it as well. I, I, I was like, wow. At the end of it, first of all, I, I like the art. I like Isaac Ribic as as an artist in general, so uh, I was with that. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed how there was definitely an effort to give everyone a singular voice, and as that read with a singular cadence as well. So while I don't know any specific actors, I could definitely find a voice in my head that fit the characters. You know, um, that's what I enjoyed that. Uh, and there's, and there's more characterization here. Um, they just don't come across as just like, you know, uh, like, you know, we're supposed to give a fuck about them, like from the door because they say so. Um, there's, uh, a little bit of, you know, eeriness and creepiness to everything that's going on. I love the idea that the, the earth is not a trusted narrator. Um, I love that. Um, you're right. This was just, this was just like crazy fun. And I I can't believe it. like I was all in. I also like the dark side. I mean, I dark side Thanos. Thanos is, is, de- is definitely in the beginning of the book, but this, this didn't dissolve into all about Thanos. It still was about the Eternals proper. Um, and I enjoyed that as well. So, so you, yes, you use, you pull out the biggest MacGuffin that Marvel has out there, but it still worked. It was fun. It's also like there is a very solid reason for Thanos to be mm-hmm. involved in a, in a way that is very little explored, right? Like Thanos' connection to the Eternals is not that big of a part of his history in Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and And I find it, interesting that he's there and i like the way that they characterize him too where icarus wants to go back and fight and he's like we can't let thanos escape druig says do you think thanos would try to escape mm-hmm. if we were still alive <laughs> right like that was uh that was cool um i also liked the little diversion into this side story mm-hmm. about this other time that icarus um that icarus sees something that happens in the future um and uh i like the way that that story played out and i also like the idea of like, yes, a lot of these things have happened for them before. Mm-hmm. They've been around for yeah, a very, Dylan, very long Dylan time. Dylan plays really well with um, the uh, unreliable yeah. narrator in regards to the great machine. 
Yeah. That's it. It's unreliable. really, really wonderful. Really. Mm-hmm. Like that side story, I was waiting for it to matter, and it doesn't yet, but it was so enjoyable that it's okay. I, I like the narration itself, also, the the style that the Earth, is, the, the great machine is speaking in. Um, yeah, very self-aware, aware that something is up, and and also has, I can't, I can't find any now, and I don't see any that, none come to mind, but um, just like interesting turns of phrase, you know, they... It, uses that voice uh speaks very interestingly yeah i found there to be a certain kind of peacefulness in a way to this story Mm. like partially because of how it is drawn and the set pieces and all that stuff and i i really uh gravitated to that yeah it definitely has a little bit of a uh especially after the end of last issue and the beginning of this issue a little bit of like a like you know immediately like we're going to step back it's like a calm before the storm type of thing, you know, like this mm-hmm. and uh, but still with the in the impending doom hanging over our heads. So it, it was cool. I, I really enjoyed it. it. It was fun. Um, It was a fun book. I didn't I'm not going to say that I care about the Eternals, but I didn't think that I would read an Eternals and enjoy it. So I think what, is, pretty, what impressed me most or what impressed me very much was um these characters so we read the game and stuff and he seemed to bend over backwards to make everything fit to the detriment of the story or at least to the Mm -hmm. detriment of the pace of the story whereas kieran gillen has literally and figuratively boiled these characters down to one verb or adjective or noun like he's an arrow looking for a target She's a trickster. Like he, he was. He's been able to distill all of this stuff down very, very succinctly mm. into a way that doesn't betray the characters, but also doesn't require you to know it all. And it's just it's it's been working because in previous stuff of his, he's um he's had a he's gone really deep in the weeds, really deep in the weeds. Yeah. Uh, and this is yeah. almost the the opposite of that, where he's familiar with all the weeds, but he's able to just like pull out the, the good stuff. This was great. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. Um, I, so I like the Eternals. I like the idea of the Eternals and I'm glad that there is a good Eternals story. Yeah, I just hope this doesn't get canceled. You know I, I mean? hope people are mm. reading this. Uh, yeah, read this, people. No, uh, it, oh, Robert, is this is uh, ongoing going, or a miniseries? Or maxi series. I mean, oh. is it? <laughs> there's a movie I mean, there's coming. A, there's um. What is it? There's he, a movie coming out, and Black Knight just had his yeah, own special for the first time in a while. His, so I think they'll his, support this for a He's getting a miniseries too. So like this, this is an ongoing right now. But okay. if it doesn't sell, it could immediately become a mm-hmm. mini, and they'll just have a trade to sell by the time the movie comes out. Like if we want this to continue, oh, right, it's right. going to require more than just synergy because they are not. Yeah, can you can you work I'll on see this, what please? I can do. Um, so yeah, I'll say, um, Oh, Robert Monroe Jr. Makes a good point. Uh, he says, Brian, that's happened many times in history about, uh, women who, who, um, uh, fight in, in wars and that kind of thing as, as men. Um, there were women who joined and fought for the union army during the civil war as men. Uh, Robert Monroe Jr. That is an excellent point that has happened in actual life. And, uh, the fact that it happens in stories, uh, should not be, that uh, uh, should not have thrown me at all. Um, I don't know why it did in this particular um, case. Well, with that, I would like to close out the show. I'm just so incredibly happy that I get to, sp- to spend time with you guys. Um, I'm happy for JD. I can't wait. We're going to say goodbye for now. Thank you for spending the last almost hour and 40 minutes with us talking about comics. We're here 
every single Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to like, subscribe, um, comment down below, hit the bell notification so you know when we do go live and when we post new content to this channel because we, we do two or three times a week and it's just fun, great content for you guys to enjoy and converse with us. I'm Noel. You can find me on social media at Mr. Bartocci, B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I and or anywhere, the cult pop stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever. I will comment. Brian, where can the people find you? I'm at brianleavedesign.com. Uh, that's the best place. Hey, you can holler at me, Len, the Bat Tribble, and everywhere you find the Black Tribbles. Too cool to be geeks, too cute to be nerds. We are Black Tribbles. Follow us on all the social media and So YouTube. we had we had decided a couple of quick announcements. We had decided last week very quickly that we were going our next book of the month is going to be Day Tripper by Day Gabriel Tripper. Ba and Fabio yes. Moon. Um, we are going to attempt to do book club and gutter talk, evening event, <laughs> extravaganza together, uh, February 27th, I think is the date, right? Which yep. just so happens yep. to also be yep. JD's birthday, I believe. Um, I believe so. So we're, we're planning for that. Obviously, there are some logistics we have to work out, but... Be sure to keep in touch for that. And if you, no matter what, we're going to do a book club. So if you are ready for a book club episode, or if you want to get ready for a book club episode, it's going to be Day Trip or a 10, 10 issue maxi series from Vertigo about 10 years ago by Gabriel Bond, Fabio Moon. Great stuff. Um, but other than that, guys, thank you for spending time with me, with us, with the show. This has been Spoiler Alert. We'll talk at you later. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah.